Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Digital Fuel Podcast with Kevin and Matt. Kevin Darcy here from Think Fuel Marketing, and as always, I've got my co-host, Matt, from Matty G Digital. Matt, how are you doing this morning? Uh, my wife and you have both told me that I'm grumpy today, so... Well, we're going to get to that in a second, because I know what's got you all fired up, and that's the reason that we're choosing today's topic, which, of course, is remarketing and retargeting. But before I get into that, just our blatant shout-out and plug for ourselves here. Um, if you guys are looking for awesome marketing services, whether it's for a, a local business um, or your mid-sized technology company or anything in between, Go check us out. Uh, you can reach Matt's website at mattygdigital.com or my site, thinkfuel.ca. So there's our uh, blatant plug for today. Now let's talk about remarketing. So for anyone who's not familiar with the terms remarketing or retargeting, essentially what they are is they are those ads that you see that tend to follow you around the internet. So you looked at a product or service online, and then later that day when you're on Facebook or Instagram, you see an ad related to that product and that company. You are on Huffington Post later that afternoon reading an article, and all of a sudden there, that pops up again in front of you in that article. So it's ads that keep coming back over and over again, and they're typically used to improve brand awareness, but also add touch points to the marketing process. And by that, I mean, you know, typically when somebody's on your website for the first time, uh, they're not ready to buy. They're not going to make an investment at that point. They're there doing some research, seeing if you have the right product or service for them. But once they leave, what are we doing? We're relying on them to remember our company, our brand, our website, and come back to it when they're ready. Remarketing is one of these ways, one of these tools that we can start following them around so that we're always top of mind for them. And as we mentioned off the top, Matt's all fired up about remarketing and retargeting today. And so Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's got you angry today? So I was watching this podcast the other night, the Joe Rogan podcast, and he had Neil deGrasse Tyson on talking about remarketing. And it wasn't exactly about remarketing per se. I think they were talking more about internet privacy. But the conversation quickly turned to the ads that were following them around. Like they, they're not aware of remarketing, retargeting, whatever they refer to them as. Um, the thing that really started getting me upset in general, like as I took a step back to think about it was when intellectuals, like two people that I believe are smart, Neil deGrasse Tyson, an extremely intelligent person, uh, when intellectuals like that start talking about things that they're not really familiar with. Now, like generally speaking, I don't have a problem with that, like full supporter of free speech, all that kind of stuff. But when you are dealing with an audience of that size, the amount of people that listen to that podcast, I imagine are in the millions. And you have someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is renowned as a very intelligent person talking about a certain topic, that audience starts to like hang on every word and think that what they're saying is factual and true. And when you start talking about topics that you're really not as familiar with, that starts to bother me because I think it just puts a black mark on our industry, digital marketing and remarketing in general. 
So I started getting like really fired up and upset about it because I start to see it a lot in the last couple months and even year, you see a lot of politicians talking about Google and the things that are going on there. And I don't think that there's a proper understanding from them either about what's going on. So that's basically the, the beginning of that frustration and anger. The thing that first started to bother me was when he was complaining about Google or just like these remarketing ads denying him the ability to stumble upon things that he previously would not have seen. So like the art of browsing, which I'm not super sure I understood exactly his argument or his feeling. I just thought it was a little bit odd. I just thought it was a slap in the face to marketing in general, which was a bit strange. Um, the thing that really started to get me upset and kind of confused by the whole thing was they started talking he started talking about a story of a girl that was online and doing some searches about like being pregnant pregnancy tests all that kind of stuff and then he explained that later on in the mail she was sent coupons because of those searches and that's when i literally paused the podcast and was like how could that be that makes absolutely no sense. You know, it's, it's funny. It, uh, it reminds me of a quote from Arthur C. Clarke, and I'm sure I'm bastardizing this, uh, this at this point, but the gist of it was that magic is just science that we don't understand yet, right? <laughs> and that's, that's kind of what's happening and what you're alluding to with you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson on these podcasts, the politicians that you're talking about, just because they don't understand how the algorithms work, how the remarketing and retargeting works, um, they tend to jump to conclusions about how it works, right? Um, they tend to create these conspiracy theories because they fit a narrative, um, and, you know, it kind of goes from there. So, I mean, well, yeah, when you talk about that story of the, the 16-year-old girl getting um, pregnancy coupons and kid coupons in the mail and the, the problem that created for her home life, obviously you're right. I mean that th there's not a connection between me looking at a website about pregnancy tests and all of a sudden receiving the stuff in the mail. The absolutely only way not, not in the physical mail, of course. No, no, absolutely not. And, and the only way that that can happen is if she filled out some kind of form or some kind of information. I mean, maybe the place she was looking at with pregnancy tests had a form that you could fill out that had a, you know, a guide or, or some kind of, you know, ebook or whatever that she was interested in, or maybe she just wanted to subscribe to their mailing list, right? And as soon as you put in your information like that, yeah, sure. You're going to end up with stuff flowing into your, your mailbox, potentially, if you're providing them your address as part of their marketing campaign, but there's no way to link somebody who is just visiting your website to their physical address without them providing that information. Yeah. She had to have signed up for something and given her consent in some way for something to be mailed to her. Like, and that's where I kind of freaked out because I was like, there's absolutely no way that that could happen. And if people hear that though, that's scary. That is like a massive breach of privacy. And there's just no way that that would ever happen. 
and I think that's when it's things do get scary for people and they're like, you know what, like maybe I should stop using the internet. Maybe I need to get a tinfoil hat. Um, I, you already have a tinfoil hat though, don't you, man? <laughs> you have to up where I am. So yeah, that's I figured, I mean, you could be stylish and just line the inside of your ball cap with tinfoil. It'd get you the same result, I think, but you'd still look good. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of stylish, one of the other reasons why I'm so fired up today is no one can see this because we're not on video, but the fact that you're wearing suspenders has got me all fired up and angry. They are my brand new suspenders, if anyone's interested in it. Um, they just came in yesterday. I'm extremely excited about it. Um, I bought them on Amazon, actually. And, uh, you know, in true fashion, the first time I looked at them, I wasn't ready for them. But later that day, I saw an ad for them again. So, bam, bought them. And uh, Matt is obviously clearly visibly rattled by this because I look so much better than he does right now in these suspenders. Um, and you know that's that's all there is to it now that's a matter of opinion but actually that's a good question though did you actually purchase because you were triggered by that remarketing ad yeah it pushed it accelerated it i mean obviously i went and looked at them because as you know i'm a, a suspenders kind of guy i enjoy them um <laughs> if there's such a thing um, so I was looking at some new ones. I had some new shirts, needed some new ones to go with it. And you know, I was just poking around. Now, you know, there was a lot of other factors that led to me purchasing it. I happened to have a, a gift card given to me recently from Amazon. So I had some free money, if you will, that was burning a hole in my pocket. Um, you know, the timing was right, but the ad that I saw made me realize that, yeah, let's just go back. Let's buy them now so that I can get them before the week's over. Yeah. And I think that's like the whole point of remarketing is like you explained at the beginning, it's keeping things top of mind and without sounding like a giant marketing nerd, but like statistics show that people are going to interact with a brand 12 times before they actually make a purchase. And in some cases that makes no sense. Like if you have mice running around your basement, you're going to call an exterminator right away after one search. If your toilet's overflowing, you're going to search for a plumber and you're going to contact probably the first one. If you're looking for suspenders, you're probably not spending a ton of time looking for them. It's a lower consideration purchase, especially if you've seen the ones that Kevin purchased. Uh, I spend weeks analyzing, reading reviews, testimonials. Uh, <laughs> there is a lot that goes into this, but anyhow. But like higher consideration purchases, I always like to throw out, like if you're shopping for a vacation or a mortgage, you're going to be looking around a lot. Like those are going to be your 12 touch points with a brand. And that's going to be with multiple brands. Um, and that's the important thing. Like when people are doing those high consideration purchases, they're looking around, they're checking out your competitors. You want to make sure that you are hitting as many different channels as possible. And that's staying top of mind with remarketing on those websites, on those social platforms, et cetera. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of interesting. That reminded me of a story from one of my customers as well. And that always still makes me chuckle because, you know, like you talked about, a lot of people don't understand how remarketing and retargeting works. Um, and they actually had won an account and one of the factors that actually played into it was a remarketing cam campaign we were running for them. The customer, when they came in to tour this, this customer's facility, they said, you know, 
I, I never realized how big you guys were until I saw your ads running on CNN's website. And, you know, you and I know that how that works. They were on uh, the website earlier in the day, a couple days ago, whatever it was. And we were purchasing very geographic restricted retargeting ads on CNN. So next time they were on there to check their morning news, boom, there, there comes that vendor that they were considering. And it added um, credibility in the mind of their potential prospect because they were advertising and being in their mind, quote unquote, featured on such a prestigious website. No, that's really cool. And yeah, that's something that people don't always know about either and kind of some tactics around that. Um, do you find when you're explaining remarketing to people you're hoping to work with or like your partners that they are understanding of it or are scared of it or like what's their general thought on remarketing when you talk to them about it? Um, the word creepy gets thrown around a lot, but everybody that I talk to is, is fairly receptive to it, right? Um, I haven't had anybody say, no, no, I think that's going to freak out our customers. I think that's going to, you know, um, scare them off. We don't want to be that people who are, are following them around, stalking them, annoying them, things like that. Um, a lot of people go, yeah, that's, that's crazy or that's creepy how those types of ads work and they follow me around. But, you know, when you walk through the, the multiple touch points that are needed to bring a prospect from initial research to closing a sale, um, people understand that it's a really valuable way to do it. And I think one of the other reasons that we don't get a lot of pushback on it is when we show them examples of other ads that we're running, we're not making these ads creepy, right? Um, we're not, we're not doing something like showing them a specific product that they were looking at earlier, like what an Amazon does, right? Um, which, yeah, that can be a little creepy. Um, I still think it's a good tactic, but I can see where people feel that. We'll show them ads that are geared more towards thought leadership, pushing them back to a content download um, or a promo offer, if, you know, depending on the right type of situation, where you know, we're not saying, hey, we were specifically know that you were looking at the XYZ product. Um, we just position it more as brand awareness, almost thinking of it like uh, advertising around the rink at a hockey game, right? Nobody sees Canon's logo on those, the boards and goes, I got to go buy a new printer when I get home. But anytime I'm sitting there looking at a new printer, I recognize the brand of Canon because I see them everywhere. Yeah. Well, I'm not surprised that the word creepy is thrown out a lot in conversations with you, but generally speaking, I get it a lot whenever I'm talking about remarketing to people for the first time. I would say like more often than not, like at a minimum three quarters of the time, people are not disturbed, but it happens a lot where it's like, oh, we don't want to do that. Like that's creepy. That is too much for us. And I always like to explain it with using like two different hats, one of which is the consumer hat and me personally and how I feel about things. I'd much rather see ads that are targeted towards me, interests that I may have, than things that have absolutely nothing to do with me. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like this might be nonsense, but my son is allergic to honeydew melon of all things. Would it make any sense for me to see a billboard or an ad for honeydew melon to bring that into my home and him to eat? No, absolutely not. I want to see ads. 
you shared with me the other day those uh, that ad that popped up on your Instagram feed for ED pills, right? I mean, you need stuff that's relevant to you. I think that was a similar audience because of interactions with you, but we can agree to disagree on that one. But you know what I mean? Like, I'd rather see things that are targeted to me. Like, I'm on things like uh, sports pages or I like following stuff about movies and TV. I want to see ads for that. I don't want to see things that have absolutely nothing to do with me. I am much more interested in things that I'm going to purchase and have an interest in, of course. When you bring up a good point there, and I mean, I think this gets to the heart of what a lot of people have a misconception of, which is um, the internet's not free, right? Um, you know, yeah, you pay for your your, your internet providers, so you can get on there. So that's an obvious one. But any of those tools that you're using, if you go on Facebook, yeah, there's not a cost associated with you being on Facebook, but they're this huge, massive company. So how are they making profit? Well, they, they're using the data that you put in there and things that you look at and things that you interact with to show you relevant ads, right? Exactly to your point. Same. Yeah, of course. Like if you're using Chrome, that's a Google product. And exactly. they are trying to sell stuff to you. If you use Safari on your iPhone, that's an Apple product. They're trying to sell things to you. Not to, I, this might be a terrible argument, but like, if you don't like it, don't use the internet. Like that's, it's not a free service. You're not entitled to use the internet for free. It's not just yours to go and browse with. Um, but even to that point, like the more we're talking about this and thinking about this, it's the same with newspapers and traditional marketing also. Like those ads are being purchased in newspapers by business owners because you are local. They're using your demographics. They're using your interest in the newspaper. And people don't seem to be complaining about that. Well, and it's a good point. And, and it's even, even there you see the concept of targeted ads, right? Because people aren't stupid about it. People aren't going to waste their ad dollars. You know, if you pick up the, the Toronto Star or something on the weekend and you look at the wheels section, I don't even know if there is still a wheels section, but there used to be anyhow. And, you know, you're going to see ads inside that section for new cars, right? You're not going to see that in the home and decor section because if I'm looking at the home and decor section, I'm probably not in the market for cars. I'm not super interested in cars at that moment, right? If I'm reading the wheels section, I have an interest in cars. Yeah, it's actually a good point too because... I don't know. If of course this makes, it is. <laughs> I don't know if this makes any sense, but like, I'm not a car guy, but I am a guy and it would be assumed that I would like to read about cars. That's not true. I prefer that there are platforms like Google and Facebook, et cetera, that are picking up on my interests and giving me information that I am interested in. I don't want to see something about cars. I don't care about cars. So, I mean, we spent a lot of time, kind of complaining about how people perceive these types of ads um, and, and not a whole lot of time about how they can be really effectively used. So, you know, what, what would you say are your top tips for people um, who want to get into remarketing? Well, yeah, going back to the conversation and the point I was getting at earlier, we're talking about two different hats and how I think about remarketing. I talked a bit about like the consumer and me personally, but the other one is, as a marketer or as a business owner, when I talk to people and they're like, oh, I don't know about this, this might be a bit too creepy. I always kind of just throw out there, like this is a tool that is available to us. Other people are using it. 
how can we not use it? Why would you not want to get in front of the people that have been on your website, that have looked at your brand and continue to stay top of mind? And I just think it's like nonsensical. If you are a marketer and a business owner and you're not cool with these type of tools, like what are you doing? You're trying to get your brand out there. You need to use these tools that are available to us. And I think one of the big things too that we haven't even touched on with this, um, typically remarketing, retargeting is one of your most cost-effective forms of PPC advertisement. Yes. Right. If you go on a platform like LinkedIn, as an example, and you build out a target market for CEOs in the tech space with over 150 employees, um, you're going to be paying eight, nine, ten dollars or more a click. Right. Matt, if uh, to show my ad a thousand times to people who have been on my website across Facebook and Instagram, what am I looking at? Um, if you're, all I'll say is it's more expensive to acquire new eyes on your brand than it is to continue to get in front of people that already know who you are, as in they've been on your website, they've checked you out. And if it were me, would you not be more interested in following the people that already have discovered you already are a bit familiar with your brand than trying to get new eyes. I understand that yes, new eyes are important and there's a time and place for that. But when it comes to wanting to actually get in front of people that again, they've already been on your website, they've checked you out on social, those people know who you are. That's important to stay top of mind. They're closer to purchasing from you. And those clicks are the and those impressions. So being on someone's screen is much cheaper than again acquiring um, like new set of eyes on things. So like if you're on Google, a remarketing click is going to be like worst case scenario, a dollar. Uh, Facebook would be much less. And generally speaking, you're going to be a lot less than most of like those platforms. It's like worst case scenario, it's a dollar for that type of thing. But if someone was looking for something brand new to your company, so say you were selling digital marketing services on Google and you wanted to click for that, I'm not sure what that would be. It's closer to 10 bucks for sure. A lot closer. And that's someone that has no idea who you are and you are just trying to stand out from four ads plus 10 organic spots plus maps and all that kind of stuff. So you're going to spend $10 for a click on something that you're not really sure what's going to happen from it. So it is much more cost effective. And I just generally think it's a very effective way to stay top of mind with people. Well, and just kind of my last thought on this, because you brought up a good point there is, you know, people get consumed with getting those new eyes, um, but without a plan to convert those new eyes, you are throwing a lot of money away. Because if all we're doing, if we're not using remarketing, and if they didn't convert on their first visit to our website, chances are they're going to be gone forever, right? We're they're toast. Yeah, we're hoping and relying that they remember our name, remember the website, and they, they make it back to us again when they're ready and they don't hit our competitor first. For sure. Like if you're a service in the B2B space and you've spent, let's say, 10 bucks on a click to your website, they look around, then they leave, and they're going to look at competitors because 
services, you're going to look and compare people. They're going to look at your competitors. Then they're going to check out Facebook. They're going to check out Instagram, all these things. And then your competitors probably are using remarketing or they're probably utilizing some tactics like Kevin can talk about an inbound approach with um, certain automation, et cetera. Um, you need to be staying on top of mind of those people. Like the, those high consideration purchases, they're not purchasing within 24 hours. It might be later that month. It might be like three months from now. And Google will tell you that people that see these remarketing ads are over 40% more likely to search for your brand later on Google. And they're over 40% more likely to come back to your website directly. So typing your address right into their browser specifically. And like, those are good odds. Those are good advantages to have for that cost. Absolutely. Um, so uh, final thoughts, Matt, on any of this before we wrap up for today? Oh, I don't know how to like properly summarize this. It's just something that's been bothering me the last, again, three to six months where there's like a lot of misconceptions out there about marketing. I suspect maybe marketers have done this to ourselves with the amount of content that we put out. Um, but I would encourage people to not, just listen to whatever is being told to them. I sound like a crazy conspiracist. Yes, you do. But, um, I would encourage people to find that trusted name within our industry that you trust. Maybe it's me. It's probably not Kevin. So just come to me <laughs> and ask us like, what's going on with this? Like there, that sounds crazy. That's nonsense. Like, can I be on a website looking about debt relief? Or can I be on a website looking for like a family divorce lawyer? And can I get pamphlets in the mail after that? Absolutely not. Like it's absolutely total nonsense. Um, try to look outside the box and find answers and solutions to this stuff. And um, it, it, it shouldn't be so scary. Marketing shouldn't be so complicated and it shouldn't be so scary. Like there's a lot of great tools and opportunities out there for like marketers and business owners to utilize and we should be utilizing all of them. Well, that was uh, quite a long summary, if you will, but, um, yeah, get off my lawn kids. Yeah, exactly. You tinfoil hat wearing old man. Um, but you know, Matt's right. It's, it's about, if you don't have a plan in place to, nurture and re-engage those people who visited your website, you're wasting all of that money up front getting them there the first time. Um, and I think that's the heart of it. And like Matt also said, your competitors are using this. A lot of people are using these tactics. Um, it's time to kind of get over the idea of them being creepy and do them in a professional way that enhances your brand. So that wraps up um, our podcast here for today. Um, this was an exciting one. Matt, I appreciate you toning it down a little bit compared to when we talked about this off the air. Initially, you were pretty hulked out on this. So, uh, you know, Oh, yeah. I was drinking. Yeah, I was drinking Monster Energies and just punching holes in drywall before we hopped on the podcast. <laughs> so, uh, well, thanks again, Matt. Do you have anything to add before we hop off? Avita saying, my friend. All righty, sir. You take care now.